0: Hello, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. And in today's episode, I'm inviting back onto the podcast my lactation consultant and my friend, Robin Kaplan. She's the founder of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. She's also the author of the book Latched. In today's episode, we are covering a topic that I get asked about so often. Sleep and navigating, becoming a food source to your baby. Okay. I talk a lot about how important restorative rest and sleep is when it comes to mental health postpartum, but Hey, Cassidy, I have a baby. Of course I'm sleep deprived. I'm getting up a lot with my baby. I am breastfeeding, chest feeding. I am navigating, becoming a food source, and I'm supposed to somehow figure out how to get sleep Oh, but I know that I need sleep. I'm so tired and I'm really struggling. If that's you, you're in the right place. I cannot wait for you to tune into this episode where Robin offers real tangible ways that you can be navigating sleep and your nursing journey all at the same time so that you can get the restorative rest that you deserve and that you need. Before we dive in, I want to quickly talk a little bit about my two digital courses Prepared Postpartum and Flourish in the First Year. I teamed up with a board-certified OB-GYN to bridge our two worlds and bring you prepared and flourish. Prepared Postpartum is for expecting couples. It's going to prepare you and your partner for everything you need to know regarding postpartum. It's a self-paced digital course filled with videos, comes with also a community where you can ask questions as they come up. We cover everything from birth recovery to processing your birth, to sleep, how to get sleep even when your baby isn't sleeping through the night. We're talking about feeding and the emotions of feeding, breastfeeding, chest feeding, and bottle feeding. We also are covering relationships for you, your friends, you and your partner, your family system, preparing older siblings, identity, body changes, taking care of baby while also taking care of yourself. If you are already postpartum and you're like, well, I didn't take prepared, but I should have because now I am struggling. I need a lifeline. I'm in the thick of it. Flourish in the first year is our self-paced digital course for you. It's built for moms with babies from zero to 12 months. All right. You can learn more about both of these at the link in the show notes. I cannot wait to dive into this episode. You are going to walk away with so much. Let's dive in. While I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, Robin. Welcome back to the podcast. Are we've had we've recorded before, and those are some of the most popular episodes where we're talking about the different stages of breastfeeding and going back to work. And I am going to definitely link those in the show notes because I know after our conversation today, everyone's going to want to go back and listen to those if they haven't already. Oh, Robin, you. you are such a important person in my life. You played such an important role my first time postpartum and you are my friend and my colleague now. And I'm just so grateful to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for coming back on. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm getting a little teary-eyed hearing you say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, No, I mean, really, like, you know, my first postpartum experience was um, such a important part of my journey to doing the work that I do now. And when I think about You know, some of the really important steps that I took to be around other moms, to get support, to talk to someone about the challenges around breastfeeding and just all the things. You were such an important person, such a warm embrace. Like, I mean, you were just such a warm person to be around with um, in that beginning because you were, you held the mom group. The first mom group that I went to is a breastfeeding support group. And that's where I was able to get support from you and I was able to meet other moms and found my people that really <laughs> supported me through that first postpartum just because they were going through it too. And you played such an important role. And then you were, you know, with my second and then with my third, I reached out to you and I was like, all right, Robin, I know what happens. I get mastitis. I get blood like, how can I prep ahead of time? Um, and you are just, you play such an important role. So I'm just, I, I love being, being able to share you with, everyone else. And so well, thank you.
1: I appreciate it. And like we had talked about even before we started recording, like our, our worlds collide so much, you know, like families that I work with, need your support and your knowledge, um, you know, just for mental health, just because postpartum, prenatal as well, but prenatal, postpartum, you know, it's a really interesting niche of unique experiences that are unique to each of us. You know, there, there are commonalities, but <clears throat> between a lot of us where we can connect and talk about what we're going through. But a lot of the things that come up during these prenatal and postpartum periods are not things that we've ever had to deal with before. And so, or there were, or it's triggering something that we had been kind of underlying as well too. And so, yeah. um, you know, I think that talking about mental health in the context of being the food source for a child um, is there, there are so many connections.
0: Oh my gosh, so many. And I know that you and I have, collaborated before when we've worked with clients where I referred to you or you referred to me and we get a release and we get a chance to you know work as a team to support yeah. that new parent um or that new family that pa- that family who's navigating becoming a parent and so I'm so so excited to dive into today's topic okay sleep <laughs> and while you are breast or chest feeding or lactating and you're navigating becoming a food source for your baby. Okay, here's, let me set the stage. Like when it comes to... When it comes to postpartum, when it comes to mental health, one of the first things I will ask a new parent about or a couple is about sleep. And of course, sleep is disrupted and is is challenged, right? Because newborns don't sleep through the night. And it's, I mean, you're you're going to experience some level of sleep changes or sleep deprivation. And then I will talk about how important it is to get restorative rest with. Um, my clients. And I mean, sleep and rest, restorative rest, right? Where you're actually getting like a stretch of, gosh, like four hours, five hours even. It is... It can be a game changer. It can be the thing that, you know, if you're not getting it, if you're not getting sleep, I mean, the impact that can have on your functioning and then the level of challenge it can take you to in terms of that, like, hole of really struggling. um, I mean, sleep can be a deal breaker, right? It's huge. But I think that I know that in terms of the messages that parents receive, um, especially those who are navigating, becoming a food source and lactating, I mean, oh my gosh, the pressure to just breastfeed or chestfeed, the pressure to give your child breast milk, and that can it can feel like it supersedes everything else it it's it's put on a pedestal, right, like yeah. the exclusive title of of giving your child breast milk. Um, and then it can be on this pedestal over your own mental health, over sleep, um, you know, to keep up your milk supply to, gosh, it is just, it's so much. I mean, just thinking about it, I feel tense in my shoulders. So <laughs> I, I, And I've been there and I've been there in, I've been there myself. I've been there in the space with parents where they're like, okay. So I get it. Like sleep is important and restorative rest is important for my mental health. Like I feel like I'm going crazy. I'm on the like edge of really dropping into a space of severe depression or really bad anxiety. And you're telling me I need to get some sleep and restorative rest, but I'm so worried about it impacting my milk supply. If I am, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to introduce a bottle, if I'm going to supplement, gosh, so many worries, concerns come up and they don't want to bring, they they don't want to risk that, that breast chest feeding relationship with their baby and their supply. So Robin, what can we do? Like, what can we do when we are (laughs) navigating sleep and breast or chest feeding?
1: It's, it's, I feel like my brain's about to explode with like so many things that are coming to mind, Um, (laughs) you know, and um, just like a, I guess, kind of a a side note on all of this. So, so my kids are 14 and 15 now. Um, I literally just had to go wake up one of my teenagers. It's 11 o'clock in the morning and they're on (laughs) spring break and I had to wake them up so I could give him breakfast so he wouldn't interrupt while I was um, (laughs) doing this interview. So, you know, it's interesting because um, I I for years have been able to sleep. Yet um due to some unknown forces of perimenopause <laughs> and, you know, different different life circumstances and stuff yeah. like that. I've been dealing with chronic insomnia now for the past almost two years, and it has nearly broken me. And so, and I feel like, you know, there, sometimes there are these pieces in your life where you're like, "Hmm, why is this happening to me? What is the greater picture of this? What is the greater purpose? And I feel like it's allowed me to really connect and understand and be reminded of how, how important sleep is and how it impacts Mental stability. Um, And so, because um, this restorative sleep that you're talking about, if I get five hours of deep sleep, even if it's from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. or 9 p.m. to 2 a.m., and I wake up the rest of the night or I can't go back to sleep, I'm fine. But if I don't get that, it is debilitating. And so, and it's interesting because I've become much more hyper aware when I've been working with families um, who are talking about this lack of sleep, this triggering of depression and anxiety and, um, and, you know, PMADs in general and how, how many of them are very directly correlated to the lack of restorative sleep, and um, so it's just so oh, I don't know if that's TMI for all the people who are listening, but it, you know it's again no. like you know when people look at my website and like you have older kids, you sleep, and I'm like actually I don't, and it's like <laughs> pure torture. So I am right there with you, except that I don't have to take care of children in the middle of the night.
0: That that is a big yes. difference,
1: but <clears throat> but I do no, understand I'm so the impact. I'm glad you shared that. I'm yeah. glad you
0: shared it because it's humanizing, you know, and and I recognize that I didn't really like give you a chance to introduce yourself very- <laughs> (laughs) Just kind of diving, but that's what I'll do. What I'll do is I'll intro you leading up to it. But also, like I've had, I've we've we've done episodes before, so I'm just like assuming people know how wonderful you are and what your role is. But you are a lactation consultant, um, and you are—that's how I came to know you. Um, But I love that you're, that you shared that and humanize that because yeah, I think at, at so many different stages in our lives, we can experience sleep deprivation and, but gosh, when you're postpartum uh, and then there's a little, there's a little baby that's waking you up, right. Um, Or, or the baby's sleeping, but you have anxiety and you find yourself looking over to see if the baby's still sleeping and, or the baby finally goes to sleep and you're stressed and anxious because you know that the baby's going to wake up again.
1: Yes. And so
0: your brain is like, get some sleep, go to sleep. Why aren't you sleeping? And oh my goodness. And then you look over and you see your partner like potentially like yeah. having, sleeping, <laughs> <boring. logs>. yeah. <laughs> having the best
1: restorative sleep of their entire life.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you want to like smack them. Yes. Um, but, and then just the pressure, if you are the parent who is navigating um, being your baby's food source, and yeah. so what can so, we do here?
1: Yeah, so there there are a couple a couple components that I'd like to touch upon, and one is um, addressing mental health issues. When so you mentioned one thing about how okay baby, so there are a couple different. Let me back up a little bit. There are a couple different scenarios we have going here, right? We have the one where the infant is waking up multiple times a night, um, maybe not going back to sleep right away. So it's not not within the parent that the sleep is not happening. It's because they have an infant. And so there are a couple things. And then the other part I want to address is the part that you just brought up as well is, well, maybe the infant is sleeping, but there are scenarios, situations, possibly mental health situations going on that are preventing the parent to be being able to get this restorative sleep when their baby is sleeping. So right. it's really two different sides of the coin here. Um, so let's first talk a little bit about infant sleep. Um, I think one of the biggest disservices that we have in the Western world is that we a lot of people don't understand realistic sleep expectations for our children. And mm. I feel like there's a lot of shame that is, you know, the, many people. And when you ask, how are you sleeping? That's a little bit different than the question. How's your baby sleeping? Mm. Think about how many times. And I'm as guilty as this as well with, you know, with siblings and sister-in-laws and stuff like that asking like, oh, so, you know, so how how is so and so sleeping? And okay. um, and the thing is, is that puts that expectation of if my baby is not quote unquote sleeping well at a certain age, then there's something wrong with me. There's something Mm. wrong with my baby. And so to go back and I think educate ourselves on what are realistic sleep expectations for children and understanding that they are temporary. Like I mentioned in a couple minutes ago, my (laughs) teens sleep, I mean granted they go to bed at two in the middle of the night. I'm in bed by nine, nine thirty, ten or whatever, and they sleep until noon. So, you know, that Dip, that was not how they slept when they were infants. It wasn't how they slept when they were toddlers either. Toddlers wake up at 5.30 in the in the morning, you know, as soon as the sun comes up. So, yeah. you know, so looking at how does sleep change and putting it in a perspective and understanding that it's temporary. Because sometimes when we realize that no matter what we do, it it's not going to help our kids sleep better, it kind of relieves the pressure of it. So when mm. we look at night wakings, babies are so infants, the first couple months, even the first six months of life, they tend to wake up in the middle of the night because their tummies are small. It's protective against SIDS. I mean, these, these kiddos do need to wake up now. We want them to eventually go right back to sleep. You know, the first month is very important to understand as well, that babies are not born with a circadian rhythm. So, mm. you know, when we're pregnant with our children and we've, the minute we lay down and they start to have, you know, a soccer match going on in our abdomen, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, that happens when they come out too and it takes about a month for them to understand that darkness means sleep lightness means awake so there there's nothing you can do to fast forward that process in the first month and so understanding that you know in the in the middle of the night your baby is going to wake up and they may not go back to sleep right away so what can yeah. we do at that period of time right yeah. it's all about what type of support We have in our home, and so you know, if our if our partners, if we have family members that can come and help, um, you know, in the middle of the night. I remember one of the things that I think was so critical with my children was that like the 2 a.m. wake up, you know, or right around then where I would nurse them. I would hand them off to my partner who would sit on the couch. I'm totally going to date myself right now. He'd sit in there, watch John Stewart reruns that he had DVR'd (laughs) and and would sit there and let the baby fall asleep on his chest for about a half an hour and then transition the baby back into whatever sleeping apparatus they were in at the time and then come back to bed with me. Um, And what that allowed me to do was, get some deep sleep for a couple hours before the next waking of the middle of the night. And this only took about three to four weeks, but that was something that he committed to that. I was eternally grateful for if you don't have a partner who's able to do that. Can you get a doula? Can you get a friend or someone to come over a couple nights a week just to hold your baby in the middle of the night if your baby is not falling asleep right away? Because that's the hardest time period. And the other thing that kind of goes along with this, too, is we're told that babies need to learn how to put themselves to sleep. We should be able to lay a baby down in a crib awake and they should fall asleep on their own. Well, I don't know about you or me or any of the people who are listening here, but I've never met a baby who can do that on a regular basis. Maybe every once in a while we have this like purple unicorn kiddo who does it. But for the most part, they need to be rocked. They need to be held, especially for those first couple months. And so Mm. one of the things that I would love for your your listeners to really kind of hone in on is that You want to help babies get sleep in any way that you can for those first couple months. And these habits can be shifted as, you know, these sleep transitions and they can become more independent, but really not until they're not developmentally ready until they're six months old or older. The first six months are all about attachment. And so, so knowing that and knowing that we need restorative sleep, we need help. We need to ask for help. And so this is, you know, when you're the food source for your child, that doesn't mean that everyone else gets off the hook. You know, it means that we need support. Our babies need support. so that again going back to that first month just understanding that those that kind of party all night and sleep all day um transitions after about a month when their circadian rhythm click you know clicks in and then they'll still wake up in the middle
0: of the night but they'll actually go right back to sleep usually (laughs) that's the hope Oh my gosh. It's such a game changer to get help. I know that yeah. for our first, we didn't we didn't do that. And and you know, my partner was struggling with postpartum depression mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. And so that it was I I was gosh, doing it by by myself. And I think that there is this sort of I think it's related to this sort of imposter syndrome. Cause I think one of the elements of imposter syndrome is like I'm I'm only a really good mom or I'm only really truly a mom if I'm doing it myself. Like yeah. that's one of the things that perfect that perfection and imposter syndrome kind of whispered to me. And so, you know, my, my partner was struggling. I didn't know it was was postpartum depression. I didn't know that partners at the time could get postpartum depression. Right, right. It has since become like a very huge passion of mine to unpack that and to share that, right, with others that that is a thing. Um, but at the time, there was also a part of me that felt like if I ask for help, then I'm not really doing this, like, right. what? like this. That's like, oh my gosh. So then, for the second one, you know, after we healed from that really challenging experience with my son, um, I asked my mother-in-law to come over, and a couple nights a week she would come and she would sleep um, on a futon on a blow-up mattress, and when the baby would wake up, um, she would. Bring the baby to me, I would you know, nurse the baby and she was right there because I was kind of like trying to stay half asleep. Um, and oh, let me also say that I had earplugs in and like an eye mask on. So that kind of yeah. really tune out my senses. Yep. Um, and then she would, then I'd hand the baby right back to her and she would do the rest, whether that was you know, re swaddling the baby or rocking um, him back to sleep. And she would take him out of the room. Um, and the reason was because. I, for me, I really did want to um, relieve myself of the milk in my breast because yep. I am very prone to plug ducts and mastitis. Um, and I knew that getting up and pumping for me was just going to like wake me up more. Um, and I wanted to, you know, we were continuing to work on the breastfeeding relationships. I wanted to breastfeed. Um, but I needed someone to be the one that knew when he woke up and to take the baby right when I was done feeding. Yeah. Um, and I would kind of feed sort of the side lying. So I was lying down and she was right there kind of making sure that everything was still really safe. Um, and it was a game changer. And she didn't come every night because, you know, she would be up a lot that night. So then she would need a day or two to kind of restore yeah. herself. And then she'd come back. But even just knowing that that night was going to come where I could put in the earplugs and put on the eye mask. And the reason that was, you know, my partner, um, this third time around because of the pandemic, it was much more him and me relying on each other. Um, But we knew because my partner was prone to postpartum depression and that sleep was a trigger for him that we needed to have other people come in and support us. And that was huge. Um, And then for this third one, you know, we knew – I was I was, I was pregnant when the pandemic hit, so I knew, hey, we're going to have to really come up with a plan here to do this together. And so we got creative where, you know, it was sort of like tag teaming throughout the night, you know, yes. and there's parts of the night or certain nights where um, he's on or where I'm on and the other one gets to really tune out their senses um, and just get that restorative rest. And again, it's just like getting like a four to five-hour stretch. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is just so, it's like the best medicine, like getting that restorative sleep and getting just that chunk of time. And so we had to get creative, but gosh, you're naming such an important thing here, which is getting support um, in whatever, w- which way that can look like for you.
1: Yeah. So, and you bring up one thing um, I, w- I want to go off of the kind of tag teaming and then I want to return back to your, your sleep hygiene that you're mentioning yes. with the earplugs and the, eye mask and all that kind of stuff, but to go back to the tag team. So say um, once, you know, once that first month kind of passes, or even during that first month, one kind of creative trick that I recommend to, I mean, it's nothing earth shattering. I didn't necessarily come up with it on my own, but, but, but a creative trick i like to share with my families to help get that restorative sleep is to, so a lot of parents will ask me, I would say probably, 75% 75% of the parents I work with ask me, um, can, what if I skipped a feeding session in the middle of the night and my partner or family member, whomever, someone else offered the baby a bottle. And so yeah. um, so that way they could sleep through that nursing session and um, and get more sleep. So yeah. there are a couple ways that this can work. Um, you know, if if you're not, if the parent is not, susceptible to plug ducts, mastitis, and stuff like that. This parent could pump once or twice a day after nursing um, and possibly get enough for a bottle in the middle of the night to sleep through that feeding and then just be like uber full, you know, at the the feeding after that. Um, But that is absolutely one thing that can be done. And I I should say, I typically, um, for the most part, would recommend not offering bottles until the baby's about three to six weeks old, just to really establish breast and chest feeding. But however, you know, that that's not if you introduce it beforehand it's not a it's not a deal breaker so i, I do want to say that but but you know kind of getting into that rhythm making sure you know really you know doing it, if 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 nursing is really important to you and milk supply is really important i would say give give your body a good 3 to 6 weeks before you introduce a bottle so say you're in that in that area where you are able to introduce a bottle so if this parent pumped after a few morning nursing sessions so when we tend to be more full Mm -hmm. That parent might get three ounces collected over the day, um, and then that bottle could be given during one of the night feedings, and that parent could sleep through it. If a parent is more similar to you, or, or they're not or they're worried, truly worried about milk supply, because maybe they, you know, they're riding on the cusp of, you know, just, just making yeah. enough. And we don't want to sabotage that in the middle of the night. Yeah. Then one of the recommendations is, you know, say, and I'm just going to throw out some times here, just so it makes more sense as like, let's yeah. say, you know, you nurse your baby at 7pm. And the baby goes down for, you know, at, you know, a few hours or whatever, and then say you pump maybe at like 9 p.m. You leave that bottle there for your baby. Your baby wakes up at 10, and I realize this is again like just I'm throwing out times. It's not yeah. like I'm telling you to schedule yeah. your baby, but your baby <laughs> wakes up at 10. You have earplugs in. You're in the other room. Someone else gives the baby the bottle at 10. You sleep through that feeding, and then you wake up at the next nursing session, which you know say that's one. AM or whatever. If you yeah. just slept from 9 30 to 1, yes, it's not like that complete four to five hour stretch, but as babies start to sleep longer, your baby's not going to wake up every two and a half to three hours for the entire time that you're nursing, you know, and, you know, for that whole first year. Babies do start to sleep longer and they tend to take their longest stretch of sleep in the first part of the night. So yeah. if you can pump before you go to bed, have them get a bottle at whatever time and then you wake up for the next nursing session, there is a very good chance that you might be able to get a four to five hour stretch in that first part of the night. And then as your baby continues to wake up throughout the night, you have already had that restorative sleep and hopefully you can fall asleep after those nursing sessions. So um, so there are lots of ways to kind of play around with that if if you want to sleep through a nursing session that won't negatively impact your milk supply. Now, There are families I've worked with, um, several, um, nursing parents, um, who sleep was like a deal breaker. Like they, they had to get sleep. So a couple of families that I've worked with, for example, um, the, the mom had bipolar disorder and it was extensively triggered if Mm -hmm. she didn't get eight hours of uninterrupted sleep. Yes. Well, you know what, in that situation, we talked about how she, she had to get that sleep. And so the baby was bottle fed in the middle of the night and she nursed the rest of the time. And so maybe she didn't have a full milk supply, but at that point who cared, you know, like Um, we needed a baby to have a functioning parent. And so the breast milk that this baby received throughout the day, was fantastic and important. And what the baby received in the middle of the night was nourishing and important for that baby to get. And the parent was able to get that nourishing sleep. So we have to really look at these individual situations as well too, um, and understand that when sleep is impacting a parent so, so detrimentally, then we have yeah. to look at, so rather than this, you know, frame of reference of exclusive breastfeeding, I, we worked with a family who shares an article on our website called inclusive breastfeeding, which is one of my favorite terms ever. Because she said, I give my baby everything that I can produce. So, my baby's not, ex- she's exclusively getting everything that I produce, but she's also getting formula as well too. So she's like, I want to change this phrase to saying inclusive breastfeeding because it's including everything that I can produce and including some other options, you know, whether it's donor milk formula or whatever, to make sure that it's meeting up with the need that my baby needs. And so it's, I think we have to reframe our thoughts sometimes, which I know can be so challenging for parents, especially when they when they really want something. Um, but if sleep is causing them to not, uh, lack of sleep is not allowing them to enjoy their baby, enjoy the par- postpartum period, um, and is then they're really struggling, then sometimes we have to look at ways to reframe w- how they're feeding their baby to mm-hmm. make it so that way they can enjoy themselves and, and feel as mentally stable as possible, emotionally stable as possible.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh, I literally got chills when you said that. Um inclusive, oh inclusive breastfeeding. Like I I know that for me, the exclusive piece, I mean, one, it's like everywhere you go now, we are hit with the message, breast is best, breast is best. And like of course we want to give our child what's What's quote unquote best, right? (laughs) Like, of course we do. And then you go to the pediatrician appointments, and I get asked, like, "Are you exclusively breastfeeding?" Like that, it's like a yes or no question. I don't get to, like, I don't get opportunity to say if I say yeah, I, I have to be exclusive to say yes to that. Like, what about what about considering all of the components that are going into our decisions and why we are choosing to feed our baby the way that we are? That includes, right, like yes every breast every every ounce of breast milk that i have goes to my baby but what if i'm also like needing to get sleep because that is going to make me a well parent and that's also good for my baby right and yeah. i deserve it too right like oh my gosh i love love that. Yeah. And... I'll send you the, um I'll send you the article. Maybe you can link it in the notes. Oh, um, oh, absolutely.
1: I would say it's, it's one that has really resonated with a lot of the clients that we've worked with because it just, like you said, like, yes, I am exclusively providing all that I, that I produce. Yeah. um, But it, that doesn't mean that my baby's not, may not be getting something else. And so, mm. and, and that's okay. Um, But sometimes it takes, a. for some parents, it can take a a lot of time to wrap their brains around that it's okay. Um, We need to give ourselves permission to understand that our mental health um, impacts our children, um, our partners, our lives, our own lives, um, very significantly. And so um, finding if there are ways to help us support our mental and emotional health, um better, our families are going to be better as well.
0: So, mm, yeah. Um
1: which gets me into that kind of sleep hygiene um thing that you yeah. were talking about because that that's that other side of the coin. So then sometimes we have these babies who are are sleeping 5 to 6 hour stretches at night and the parent can't fall asleep mm. or the parent is waking up at every noise that the baby makes. Um, so when when I'm working with clients who are expressing these type of concerns, the first thing I ask is, are you working with a therapist? Um because that typically I would say, and I'll, I'll toss this to you, but I would say those are typically signs of PMADs. Um yeah. and so no matter what type of sleep hygiene we recommend, um it's not, it's only band-aiding, it's not yeah. getting to the root. And the root yeah. is where are these where are these symptoms of depression and anxiety stemming from what are they coming from and how can we help resolve those Um, my favorite is emdr (laughs) those are my favorite techniques but i know there are many techniques out there as well but figuring out where is this coming from to help Mm -hmm. work through that but um, there are additional components like you had mentioned Does this parent feel comfortable wearing earplugs? Because a baby is noisy. Um, And so if, you know, but if your baby cries and you have earplugs in, they don't work that well. I mean, you're definitely going to hear your baby. So, yeah, yeah. so earplugs, eye patches, and also just looking at, I mean, there are so many articles on sleep hygiene. So for example, turning off your cell phone, your computer, all that kind of stuff, anything with like um, blue light at least two hours before you go to bed. Um, You know, avoid overtiredness. So, you know, if you're feeling really tired, go to sleep. Um, You know, having, you know, bedtime routines like hopping in a bath with Epsom salts, man, that thing makes a huge difference for me or even using like a topical magnesium oil on your feet. Um, You know, our skin is the largest organ on our body. And so, Magnesium is a natural relaxant. I find if I take it orally, it kind of messes with my bowels sometimes. Wow. <laughs> so, um, but I love magnesium oil. Um, you just rub it on your feet, get soaked into the body and you can rub it and have someone give you a nice little massage on your shoulders. I mean, this wow. stuff is all safe to take while breastfeeding. Um, melatonin is safe to take while breastfeeding. And so I know lot. there's lots of information out there about whether, you know, the different types of dosage for melatonin. So I can't, I, I all I can say on that is that, you know, one, speak with a doctor on what dosage would be appropriate for you, but anything under three milligrams a day is safe for breastfeeding and chest feeding. So, you know, having, having, you know, if you need some assistance with melatonin and then also also, um, you know, oftentimes if we're having difficulties falling asleep or having difficulties staying asleep, it often has to do with adrenal fatigue and cortisol. And so there are, you know, different types of herbs that are safe to take while breastfeeding that really help manage your cortisol, manage your stress. Um, or just well, it won't help manage your stress, but it'll help you um help you manage your stress. Yeah. Um, so like one of my favorites is ashwagandha. Um, you can take that while you're nursing and um, um, and it's an amazing balancer of mood um it actually helps boost milk supply too, which again i mean stress can can significant stress can actually decrease milk supply. So how do we, Mm. how do we figure out how to get our stress in balance? Um, So taking ashwagandha during the day, taking melatonin at night, reading a book, um, journaling and then reading a book. I find during COVID, I think I've read more books than I have in my entire life, but it's also become my insomnia is about out of control. Um, But reading, reading a book that doesn't depress me, (laughs) you know, um, for a good 20 to 30 minutes before I go to sleep, it clears my mind, and then I typically will put on a meditation app when I go to sleep as well. So I don't wear earplugs, but yeah. um, but having something that just helps me to center in my body, get out of my head in the spinning hamster wheel, but really mm. just focus on my body, I find is really helpful. So I've working on a bedtime routine that you you just unwind can it helps me get out of my head, and so my hope yeah. is that families who are listening, who are dealing with this, you know, component of their baby sleeping and they're not able to sleep might find some of these resources helpful. But what would you add to this as well?
0: Yeah, well, okay. So I love all of this because what I what, what you're sharing here is that there are options and ways in which each individual family can explore. Okay, what is going to be the creative way? Like we f- first are acknowledging that sleep is important, and and you mentioned PMADs, um, which stands for um, peripartum perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And sleep, when you look at the like the list of different mood and anxiety disorders that someone in that peripartum stage of Life can can potentially experience sleep shows up as a symptom under like all of these right like um, sleep can show up sleep challenges around sleep can show up when it comes to depression either feeling like you always are tired and you can't get out of bed um, or that you have a really hard time sleeping even when the baby is sleeping Um, anxiety um, absolutely can sleep be impacted by anxiety where you're just you know having intrusive thoughts, really difficult time, sleeping because that hypervigilance is is popping up for you, um, PTSD, absolutely, mm-hmm. there can be a sleep component there, nightmares, um, difficulty sleeping, uh, bipolar, as you mentioned, super important for sleep to be experienced there. Um, and then, of course, postpartum psychosis as well. Sleep is so key and so foundational um, can and can definitely show up as a symptom around these things. And then you also mentioned um, EMDR, which is a evidence-based trauma approach to support somebody in processing trauma, but has also been shown to be really effective when it comes to depression and anxiety and of course, PTSD as well. So I like just want to sort of first say how important it is to acknowledge the role that sleep has when it relates to mood and anxiety disorders and just mental health overall. And then all of these options that you're describing are so relevant and important as it it relates to sleep hygiene, which is basically just... Yeah, like just like you would take take care of your body, you're taking care of your sleep, and you're you're setting the stage just like we would do for a baby, right? Like when it comes to baby sleep, like what of what do a lot of sleep experts talk about? You want to create the right environment. You want it to be really dark. You want to you know have um, the white noise machine. You want to create a space and an opportunity, the best opportunity possible for your baby to have good sleep. And you know what? you as an individual human being <laughs> deserve and need the same things, the best opportunities for sleep to happen once, once the opportunity presents itself, right? And so that's going to be looking at things like, you know, where you're sleeping in the space, the environment, what do you use that space for, right? Like if you're, if I'm texting and on my phone and doing work in bed right before I go to sleep, you know, that's going to make it hard because now that space is not a place that I oftentimes go to, to just sleep. And so only using the bed for sex and sleep, right. Um, and all the other things that you're mentioning here, um, and just finding the routine and the rhythm that works for you. And then also bringing in support, right? Bringing in support and taking the exclusive breastfeeding off the pedestal, to embrace what I love that you named here, inclusive breastfeeding. That includes you, the parent, right, that is hoping to nurse or is nursing in some way, shape, or form, or is acknowledging that sleep is going to need to take priority here for you so that you can show up for your family because you deserve that level of care and that restorative rest too. Oh, Robin, this has been so helpful. I am so excited to share this conversation with everyone. Where can people find you and all of your amazing resources? Because you've got a lot of them. Oh, thank you. Um, well, and actually, do you mind if I share one last thing when we kind of- Yes, like, it's a,
1: It's a segue into where people can find me. But the other thing that I wanted to mention too is that you know, while babies are, are meant to wake up, they are also meant to sleep for chunks of time. And so if your baby is not sleeping well, um, you know, is feeding every hour to two hours in the middle of the night and they're, you know, several months old, if they're grunting, if they're, you know, if they're snoring, if they are really, you know, their, their digestive system just seems to be really sabotaging their sleep then seeking help from, you know, possibly a pediatrician um, or a lactation consultant or a nutrition, you know, like a naturopathic doctor, um, a functional nutritionist, because sleep for children, I mean, infants, all, all people are meant to sleep. And so if sleep is constantly being disrupted for your child, that means that it don't, I, I I have so many parents who are like, well, everyone just says it's normal that my, you know, that my baby is so uncomfortable mm. and is farting and spitting up and all this kind of stuff in the middle of the night and just really uncomfortable. That's not normal. It's been made normal because it's common, but it's not normal. And so if your baby is having incredibly disrupted sleep that is impacting your ability to sleep as well, find someone who actually listens to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And because, I mean, as as a lactation consultant, I spend a lot of time talking about reflux, colic, which essentially colic is a the medical professions way of saying, I don't know what's wrong with your baby, Um, you know, and just talking about how this stuff gets brushed off, and parents struggle. And there is always a reason why a baby is not sleeping well. And whether it's their uncomfortable digestive, or they have, you know, Body stuff that's going on. Um, And so, seeking someone who listens to you and can help your baby sleep better, too. And that's not Mm -hmm. necessarily a sleep coach because it, it may not be that we need to, you know, just. Train them that their body is telling us something, and so we need to listen to those to those babies. So anyhow,
0: thank you. Oh my you. gosh, I'm so glad that you're <laughs> you brought this up because I think it comes into the inclusive piece, right? Like we want to include we want we want to include all of the factors, right? Yeah. Like your sleep habits, what's going on for your baby, like. What's, how, how can we bring in, how can we look at this systemically in terms of how the partner relationship is navigating this, mm-hmm. how the family system is navigating this, right? The different, um, and then the healthcare system, right? And and finding somebody who is going to listen to you because you deserve to be listened to and you deserve sleep. Your family deserves that level of support. So yeah. thank you for naming that. Yeah,
1: you're welcome. I just, you know, anytime a parent comes in and they're like, well, I just, you know, I know there's something wrong, but everyone tells me this is normal. And I'm like, mm. you are the parent, you, your red flags are going off. It's not normal then. So, no. um, so find someone who listens. Um, so where people can find me. Um, so our website, um, I had, like you had mentioned, I'm a lactation consultant. I own the San Diego breastfeeding center. So our, our website is San breastfeeding We are on Instagram. Um, we're on Facebook, but more so on Instagram, I would say now at this point, um, and we offer for those of you in San Diego we offer in-person consultations for those of you outside of San Diego we offer virtual consultations um like i mentioned sleep and baby um baby digestive stuff is um definitely a passion of mine um just probably from personal stuff that we've dealt with with my own family um yeah. and so um virtual appointments can be very effective as well too and um We have a, let's see, we have a YouTube channel called DIY Breastfeeding, which has a lot of different um, videos as well as just different short snippets of topics and questions answered. Um, So that's a great free resource. Um, What am I missing? I have a book. (laughs) You have I have a book I'll yeah. have to mention it. <laughs> I always forget that I have a book called Latch um, uh, Handbook for Breastfeeding with Confidence at Every Stage. Um, that's on Amazon that you can um, purchase. That walks you through pregnancy through weaning, um, and so just uh, a really down and dirty, easy way to just get a bunch of information as easily as possible. So that book is pretty easy to to obtain.
0: Oh, um, I yes. think that's it. Oh, amazing. Robin, thank you again so much for coming back on the podcast. I am so honored to know you and to call yeah. you my friend and grateful to you. So thank you again, Robin. Oh, my pleasure. I always love having an opportunity to
1: chat with you. So thanks so much for inviting me.
0: You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes Air. Looking for more support? I teamed up with a board-certified joy to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful, and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.